Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Ah, my favorite sound. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Winemakers. I'm John Myers, sitting with my very good friend, Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, Yo. and Brian Casey. And we have a very special guest today, Jennifer Reichart of Raft Wines. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Thanks for coming over. Thank you for having so me. So nice And she to got see Daddy you. in the house Dad's today. in the house. And yeah. Jim Reichart, right behind. There you go. Is it still morning? It is afternoon. I've lost track. That's okay. It's per, it's a permanent deal. So. It's farmer's hours. Bing, it's, it's, always it's, yeah. <laughs> it's always morning. It's always morning. Till the next morning when it's morning again. So, yeah, you know, uh, we commonly refer to you as duck daughter. And it, or, is it, or is it really, is it Jennifer's dad? I don't, I don't know. I went from being the duck man to the duck daughter's father. <laughs> That's right. I see Duckman, and you have been in business long enough to actually. You still have an AOL account, isn't that correct? Oh yes. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, nobody it's else is there to bother you. When I saw that, all it, the spammers are there to bother. Is that it? <laughs> Can we get the Liberty Duck fax number after yeah. this? <laughs> and that's what I was going to say. He's you, like fax. So we haven't got are, one of those yet. You guys are Duck Daughter and Duck Man because you have Liberty Duck. One of my favorite things in the entire world whether it's con- confit, That's pekin, roast, you, you name it, confit pizza, I don't care. Duck should be eaten <laughs> virtually every other day. Don, John actually makes his own cassoulet, and uh, yeah, he does a real good oh, job. Oh, yeah. And he's just I, discovered I Rancho Gordo beans, too, which ah, is a, that's good a good step. Thing. So when are we yeah. coming for dinner? Yeah. Oh, you, could, you know what I would really like? Uh, how about beef bourguignon first, then duck? <laughs> I, I got to make it. We get enough duck, so it's nice when someone cooks us something there else. You well, <laughs> yeah. you are in your third year as you, you run and own and take care of and are the future of Raft <laughs> Wines. Correct. And Raft got its name how? A raft is a community of waterfowl-like ducks. So if you see a bunch of ducks floating on a pond, it's called a raft of ducks. But once they take off, it's considered a flock. So it's <laughs> water, water bound. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And then um, I always like to joke that my, or not joke, but my community has kept me afloat and I'm kind of the raft floating through life. And then my brother is a whitewater rafting guide. So multi-functional name Perfect. means a whole lot to Perfect. us. Perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> so the first wine, the rosé, I noticed it caught my eye. It's from Potter Valley, way yeah. up in Potter Valley. Way up in Potter Valley. Can, can you talk a little bit about that vineyard and, um, and and where Potter Valley is for those out there who don't know? Of course. So and, um, and, and why it's a, you know why it's unique. Uh, Potter Valley is the northeast corner of Mendocino, so on the way to Lake County, um, and it's this tiny little vineyard actually the the gentleman who owns it is the ukiah in a dentist in ukiah and he planted like about five acres and he kind of takes care of himself and he has another crew right next to him that helps him run it and one of his winemakers before i started making raft asked him to start farming organically so he did so it's kind of a fun little pocket of organic fruit up there and uh it's rosé of grenache um i I let it go through malolactic fermentation because I really kind of like a little fuller texture. I want all my wines to be really food friendly. And I think 
there's a lot of beautiful rosés on the market, but sometimes they're too lean for food. They're great for like poolside and porch and beaches and stuff, but maybe doesn't have as much texture as I want to be able to stand up to like salami or, you know, other kind of like appetizer foods. Duck. Duck, <laughs> exactly. Kind of, I, was like, I was like, you know, maybe some duck charcuterie with that would be. Some prosciutto, duck breast prosciutto. I mean, you know, I don't know if that that was your inspiration, uh-huh. but it worked. It would work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I would have never thought that the wine went through ML. Yeah. To be quite honest. I mean, it's um, not to get geeky you know, about <laughs> the numbers, but I imagine they're very very interesting. Um, it's beautiful. Thank uh, well you. Done. Well yeah, done. Yeah, it's fun. It's a cool little vineyard. Um, Literally. Literally cool. So the in 2018, uh, it was my last pick of the year. We're drinking the 2017 right now. It's my 2018 still in, in barrel. Yeah, you were just mentioning that. When are you? When is your um, planned bottling date? March 13th. Okay, so we're coming up. Coming up on it, yeah. And I do all the um, aging for this in neutral oak and neutral or neutral oak barrels and stainless steel barrels. So um, it definitely has a little bit of. Uh, oxidation but it's like approachable it's kind of got that sherry quality almost which i really enjoy um but the, the 2018 vintage it was my last pick of the year it was 95 the day before we picked it and when we went up there at 7 a.m and started picking it was 35 so potter valley just sees wow. these like crazy shifts <laughs> and it took forever for it to wait, get wait, ripe wait. your last pick was my rosé. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make yeah. sure I heard that real quick. Wait, last huh? pick. Yeah. Last pick was last pick was a rosé. Yeah. And that's just because the temperature up there, the climate. Yeah, yeah. It gets so cold at night. It just kind of wow. like stalls everything out. So I started picking in 2018 on August 13th, and my last pick was October 18th. That's a long pick season. Yeah, it I mean, was honestly, for me. It's kind of like crazy. Yeah, without being in Lodi or Contra Costa. I mean, we're all like kind of looking at each other, like, hold on a minute. Yeah. So, <laughs> so is it all white wine? Is this vineyard? Otherwise, you obviously didn't make red wine off this um, no. property. I have in 2016, I made a red Grenache from it. But uh, since then, I've dedicated all the fruit to rosé. And is that because it's more suited for rosé? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the, I, 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 I love that. In yeah. fact, you know, it goes to show that you can grow grapes in really kind of um, diff, under difficult um yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam's power fisting, right? raising his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Fist, fist in the air for <laughs> yeah. um, single <laughs> single vineyard rosé. Right. Yeah. Rosé, you know, I mean, this is, uh, uh, in fact, it works because uh, Malia Obama was just getting a bunch of crap on Twitter <laughs> from the, the crazy Twitter world because um, she was drinking $80 rosé. And um, I just put the, this is on, I, we, I tweeted it all over. Uh she was drinking Whispering Angel for $80 poolside, which is just such a uh, terrible. <laughs> that, that's the <laughs> offensive part. The wine uh, is the offensive part. The, the, the price for the wine. Yeah, the price for the wine. The price for the wine. $80 for that. $80 yeah, for that nuts. crap. By the way, you get it for is, 20 at Costco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you should probably spend, it should probably be like 15 Um This is, when you make rosé to be wine, that is as much integrity as any of the other wines that you make, um, this is what happens. And, and when you do it right and it's organic fruit, um, yeah, bravo. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Good. It's uh, Jen, delish. Yeah. Jen, I noticed in your portfolio, and I don't know if this was a conscious decision or not, mm-hmm. you, ha- you are pretty focused on Rhone varietals. I am. And why is that? 
It's a, a accidental, kind of. Um, okay. I, <laughs> so, okay. It's sort of with intent, but it's sort of accidental the way it started. So I, my background was mostly in Sonoma Coast, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, and I love those wines and I love those producers that I worked for, but I wanted to make wines that my peers could afford. Um, that was priced between 20 and $30 a bottle that they could, you know, have any day of the week and not feel like they had to save it for a special occasion. And unfortunately, the vineyards that I would want to work with from the Sonoma Coast are not priced as such um, or the fruit isn't priced as such. So um, I kind of took those ideas that I learned from those producers and looked for other varietals that I could apply it to. And the Weed Farm Syrah, which we'll try to embed, was the kind of the first wine that came on. Um, and there's other, I mean, the Copan was sourcing out of there. Yeah. So that's not like some vineyard that no one's ever heard of. Right, right. And um, Sally Weed, the farmer, kind of always told me, like, whenever I was ready to get going, uh, let, a, let her know and hopefully she'll have some fruit available. And she did in 2016. Right. And then I was just going to make Syrah. And then I found some Viognier for sale on winebusiness.com. And I was like, oh, Viognier, that goes with Syrah. Like, I can add a little bit to it. And then I'll have a white wine, a white and a red. That would be great. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. So my first year I was supposed to have, does. yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say, you did a business plan like I did. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when I make my wine at punch down cellars. And so there's one. tons <laughs> of fruit coming through, literally tons and tons of fruit coming yeah. through and you get access to all this like amazing stuff. And so my first year it was going to be one wine. Then it went to two wines. And then I finished with six wines. Very I know. How many times did you say no for 2018 when people were just bringing so in so hard. much fruit? Yeah. I, there was so much good stuff that I just like, Oh, it yeah. killed me. I had yeah, to let it go. And all that good stuff, is it organic? Yeah, all my vineyards are organically farmed. Um, varying degrees of certification or non-certification, but... Uh, it's the practice, not the certi Correct. certification. Yeah, they're doing it because they know it's what's right. That's right. Not because yeah. they need a piece of paper telling them it's right. That's interesting, isn't it? You just do... What happened to doing what's right? That's the whole thing. You know, it's like what happened to being genuine the other day when we had... Uh, what was it? Tim Wallace that was talking about being... No, no, uh, no. That was the Garrett. That was oh, the that's right. Yeah, yeah, that was with Garrett. <laughs> Garrett and Wy uh, West when did, Wine Tours. When, did it, right. when was genuine out of style? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like genuine that. out of style. Yeah. Apparently it was. And maybe there are some places where it still is. But, you know. Not here, baby. <laughs> Not here Not in here. the epicenter of uh, winemaking. Well, Jen, let's talk about how you got started. I mean, obviously you're raised, I'm, I'm assuming, in Petaluma? Yeah. Okay. Um, Bart and I are, Grande or Bart and Petaluma, I are Petaluma kids. Petaluma High. Petaluma I was going to say, yeah. she was on that side. Yeah. And so was Dad. Dad's Petaluma High as well. Okay. <laughs> okay. There wasn't a choice of Casa <laughs> right. Petaluma when I was in school. Right. <laughs> that was what, the, what year did you graduate? 74. 1974. Okay. Okay. 69. I'm, I'm the old guy in the room. It's always. In your... Uh, in your area there probably so we could probably there's only a couple of degrees of separation in petaluma we know that yeah it's like one or two the rod father oh, or, yeah he was or if i went to st vincent's for for a little while so with the benedetti's gambanini's antonini's dulcini's <laughs> all of the dairy farmers yeah. um in petaluma but so but you're you're raised around ducks how did the wine bug sort of uh, creep into your life uh, I mean, I guess I always grew up in and around wine and wineries. And I think the first thing that got me into wine is when we always had like dinner together as a family. So food was very important. And then I, they always kind of had wine on the table. Mm. Um, so it was just sort of our day to day, you know, it was around. Was dad letting you drink before you were 21? 
We had, he would let me try stuff. I mean, we would always do probably cake bread. Doesn't want to hear this, but we did an event at cake bread sellers at American harvest workshop every year with the ducks. And so, you know, they had wine and I'm sure I probably took a sip or two under the right. table. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the statute of limitations is up on that though. I'm, I'm oh, 30. Yeah. So can, it's over nine you years. Can say whatever you want on this podcast. Yeah. Whatever you want. Um, but, uh, it wasn't, I, I graduated from UC Santa Barbara in 2010 and I actually started there two years pre-med and then decided that I didn't wow. want to be a doctor anymore. I had an internship in the field that I was interested in and just didn't grab onto it the way I was hoping. And so kind of quickly realized that one, I wanted to graduate with my friends still and I didn't want to take extra time going through school, switching majors halfway through. And two, there wasn't, and I didn't want to switch schools, but there wasn't anything in Santa Barbara that was really wine or food centric. So I graduated with a degree in sociology. Um, and I always like to joke that I'm making wine for the people. So <laughs> it, I like it. it helps Vokes to know wine. what the people want. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that should be fists in the air for raft wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was traveling in New Zealand, not for wine, but I was uh, just visiting a friend and, I met Erin Leveroni in New Zealand, a little local gal, and she had just finished a wine harvest down there. And we had never met in Sonoma County, but meet in this middle of nowhere in in this hostel. And she was like, oh, I had fun in it. And we grew up in the same backgrounds. Like, you should try. And so 2011 was the first harvest that I was able to do kind of post-college and the rest is history. So you dove right in. That's I did, yeah. So quickly, because everybody went, oh, and... Aaron Leveroni. So in in Sonoma, the Leveronis are, you know, like Brian was saying, one of the uh, old Italian dairy families. Um, And starting in the 70s, probably, I started converting some of their pasture land to vineyards. And so, in fact, I remember when Aaron Leveroni was, you know, a toddler because I was just a little bit older than her. (laughs) It was my dad would run the harvests at the Leveroni ranch. So now probably most of their land um, is, or at least their pasture land has been Mm -hmm. become vineyards. And, you know, the so the Leveronis, when you say the Leveronis and everybody, it's a family. It was also where the closest cross street to here is Leveroni. 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 (laughs) Well, and I work with Katie at the Girl and the Fig for a long time. Yeah. uh, Great family. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of fun that she sort of like introduced that idea of working an internship. You know, prior to that, uh, I was going to come home from this New Zealand trip and go to San Francisco and work at one of the restaurants that we sold to and just kind of, I knew I wanted to be in food and water, food especially, but didn't kind of know what capacity. And then in between my uh, first and second harvest and then my third and fourth harvest, I did my level one and level two psalm exam. So I still was kind of trying to feel out like which side I wanted to do um, and ultimately decided that kind of growing up in, I think, a production background with the with the ducks, I just wanted to be in production. And it seems like every psalm that we talk to treats it as a license to do something else. Yeah. With yeah. a lot of credibility. <laughs> you know, I mean, Ian Cobble now has yeah. Psalm Select. Right, yeah. Um, Brian is doing tours and working, you know, it's, he's, he's got all kinds of things going. You yeah. Know? I mean, it, it's... It does give you a lot of credibility, sure as hell. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I loved about it. Is like I can't work a harvest in every country in the world to learn. No, why not? I mean, it sounds great. <laughs> if someone paid me to do that, I would do it in a heartbeat. But um, I have to make money it's, somehow. It's a lot. Of, that's a lot of ducks. A lot of ducks. <laughs> yeah. Lot of ducks. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's kind of cool to to take that exam and to be proficient and to know that at least I have some degree of base knowledge of every wine region and 
can learn from that. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's not something I could do. <laughs> oh, my, sure my, you could. My taste is just not that sophisticated. I, I was thinking about this with the, the Ian Cobble podcast, the, listening back. Um, the psalm direction into winemaking kind of, it's, it's sort of a reverse engineering, but it kind of makes sense. Or, you know, you start with as a psalm, tasting the wine and talking about what the wine tastes like. And you sort of slowly kind of work backwards to, you know, well, the age of it and how it was, how it was made and how it was grown and where it was grown. And, and, you know, I, I guess what, you know, what happens, uh, you get to the beginning of that and you get to the vineyard and you decide you want to, work your way back out but making the wine it's i mean it, it you know it's, it's it's different than like going to davis and you know or or yeah. going the other direction which you know like you bart you start working at a winery when you're in you and you know learn it but it makes just as much sense honestly you know? yeah oh yeah i think it all it, it all makes it all, more yeah. it all makes sense um i i think it's also when you come from the psalm directive you you're already probably having a pretty good idea about what sort of wine you want to make totally. and how you're going to do it and you formed a lot of things um whereas myself i've um kind of you know found what i want to do and how i want to make it from inspired from those I worked with and, right. and those that I would, you know, that I, that I honor their, you know, their wines and so to speak. So well, you, um, you seem to have nailed it. I mean, yeah, I, but we still have a long way. Right. Lots of double golds coming out of yeah. international uh, wine contests. It's the depth of like, why any of this, you know, why, why wine? Because you get to a point where no matter what your uh, understand your, your, decision on how you judge and view and value and uh, appreciate what you're tasting goes all the way back to not just where you not where you bought it but how it was made who made it how it was grown and and where it was grown you know and you don't have to there's like a thousand ways into the vineyard i guess um but you know the psalm ways uh it's a lot of Fucking studying. That's, that's, yeah. that's why I couldn't do that. That's, that's not, I, well, I didn't did, have. To, I didn't go that way. You did make thankfully. a good point, Sam. Uh, I want to know that somebody made this wine. I don't want it to be. Oh, a company made it. You know, I want to. I want to know the people. And look, it's no longer you, where you can't get these wines. You're hearing about them. You can get them. You know, so that's a beautiful thing. I want to know you and how you made these. That's the best thing in the world. Yeah, right? it really is. I think you know each glass has an opportunity to tell a story if you let it, and so it's kind of fun to to be able to be that storyteller. This rosé, Grenache rosé, is telling the story. It's beautiful. Nice, nice. Nicely done. <laughs> really nicely done. Well, how did Dad the feel about you dropping rose. out of school? I didn't drop out of school. I finished. Well, no, I mean, as far as you were, so I guess the intent right. was to become a doctor. Well, I would yeah, assume, I wanted right? to get. I eventually wanted to get my doctorate in physical therapy, and okay. I had a uh, internship in sports medicine. We have Division One athletes at UCSB, and um, I had a, I was sports internship kind of with them and with mm -hmm. the teams, and it just wasn't as as captivating as I wanted it to be. And okay. But I wasn't, I didn't ever have like an interest in kind of like general medicine or anything like that. It was, it was a direct focus. Okay. But we did have the conversation at the end and what direction we're going to go to. I was involved with slow food. So we were in Italy a couple times and deciding, she at that point decided she wanted to be involved in the food and wine world. And then it was like, okay, do I go back? And she could have gone to the school of gastronomy in the slow food thing in Bra. And 
that might have been fun, but she looked at me and says, Dad, I, I think I just want to work my further education. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a matter of going and working in other, you know, in wineries, and she woofed in Spain, and she did a lot of, of things of that nature. So instead of going to she still kept going to school, just not organized. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. I think we should always have um, the guest parent on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is nice. This is, yeah, this is nice. This is nice. <laughs> Uh, so I just poured um, Sangiovese in your guys' glass, and this vineyard is also kind of another unknown region um, for wine, especially. It's known for other reasons, but it's Butte County, um, so it's about 15 yeah. minutes south of the town of Chico, where this vineyard is located, and they only have about 160 acres of, of grapes planted to wine grapes, um, and it's kind of this organic vineyard in the middle of walnuts and almonds and rice patties that are all pretty conventionally farmed. And um, this is lovely family, and they have two young boys, and they wanted to make it like kind of a whole family experience. And so they. And how did you find these grapes? Also on winebusiness.com. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Lots of I know, right? Aren't they the ones who've been sharing the uh, podcast? Yeah, it's good on their daily release every once in a while. We make the uh, make the cut. The, we make the blogs. Cut. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I mean, I get that every day and I always look at it because I think you can get such good information. But it's fun that a lot of the vineyards have come from there and I've established these like relationships kind of on my own rather than through any other winery and through any other family connection. Um, and, and I wanted a wine that was kind of easy drinking like pizza pasta wine i retail this for 23 dollars a bottle and just so if you got takeout pizza on a tuesday night and wanted a bottle of wine but didn't want to break the bank like this was my sweet spot screams marinara yeah totally (laughs) just looking at this color so sangiovese means i think it literally translates to blood of job or blood of jupiter yeah so this is a little bit lighter style than i'm used to seeing yeah yeah it's just pure sangiovese i think a lot of sangio in in sonoma and napa you get cab or syrah blended in um you might not know it but um just a lot deeper Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and I keep this in straight Sangio, um, and then I age it in neutral oak. Um, I'm pretty oxidative in the primary fermentation and really kind of soften those tannins. A lot of pump overs and aerations because um, I don't want to beat up the seed seeds and get that seed tannin too much. Um, but I know that I'm bottling this within a year, so having it be kind of approachable young is important to is, me. Is this your first pick? Uh, this is my second, your pick, second pick. Traditionally, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's got to be pretty pretty warm and august pick yeah. yeah yeah i was gonna say is it 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 butte county is it like on the valley floor is it yeah the foothills? valley floor i'm um, really close to the river um up there and so it actually has a very similar feel as lodi um or some of the, you know those little the conch costa spots that are close to the river there um sandy soils but and, and to me i worked a harvest in the hunter valley and there's crazy humidity in the hunter and there's humidity up there as well it had a very similar like you can hear the the crickets in the in the fields kind of going there's, there's humidity from being so close to the river mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. interesting it's just hot and sweaty up there <laughs> yeah, yeah. well i'm glad to hear that all these new yeah. n- new to me uh, so vineyards yeah. are doing it in organic style yeah yeah it's really cool that they are and i think it's fun you know they're so close to the Chico State campus. It kind of gives people like maybe something a little bit different to do. And well, it's, um, it's what's going on. I yeah. mean, it's the way I want my wine. Yeah, and they uh, they're a great family. After the campfire, they last time I talked to them in December, they had nine trailers of people who had lost their homes wow. living on the property. So not only do they have great grapes, but they're just 
got a heart of gold as well. Well, can we talk about your packaging? I love yeah. it's very simple, clean, yeah. um, approachable packaging. And I'm assuming this all came out of your brain. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, blessed with very talented friends as well. Mm -hmm. um, so one of my best friends from junior high, uh, Morgan Parrish, is a graphic designer in Petaluma. And he helped me kind of we worked through a bunch of different iterations. And then I sent them out to some friends of mine. And, you know, we went back and forth. And I wanted the packaging to be something that was simple and easy to read and see, but also be timeless and classic. So I love the cursive part of the raft because when I think of old, you know, French and Italian labels it's all this beautiful cursive handwriting but putting that font in maybe a little bit more modern font and then having kind of the bold uh just uppercase lettering kind of all tied it i like the duck feet yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say and i hadn't noticed the duck i mean right. i hadn't noticed you had to spend a minute with it to see the duck feet Oh, and then the, on top of the cork, which the corks are on the other table across the room, there's the duck feet on top, too. So, yeah, it is. I wanted them to be subtle and remember that they're there, but I didn't want that to be, like, the main focus. Jennifer, are you using um, capsules? I didn't see you open these. Okay, no. excellent. Somebody yeah. else. There you go. So, to me, the packaging all in all uh, is I'm trying to be as sustainable as possible possible i mean the the fact that you have only 750 milliliters in a bottle like it's actually not very renewable um and wine cases are heavy um so the glass is made in california it's made in fairfield the labels the um, producer has it's uh the power is 80 percent solar um no capsules because it's just basically trash oh it's waste yeah, yeah and then the corks are norma cork um from vinvention so they're sugar cane and fully recyclable yeah you know i you totally fooled me i was looking at them from a distance i thought they were um natural cork yeah they look um, like they look really real <laughs> and, and these are the these are the sugar cane mm -hmm. will, will you talk about that a little bit yeah so they're um a company based out of north carolina and um they have developed this cork that's you can throw it in the recycling bin, which is really important to me. So the corks actually have the recycling uh, triangle printed Wait, on and it. And you mean your recycling bin at home, yeah. not a cork recycling bin. Not a cork bin. recycling right. bin. Like you don't have to take that extra step and worry about where it's going to end up, which okay. was really cool to me. Um, and then the sugar cane itself is really renewable. Um, and essentially they're kind of using byproduct to make these these corks. So it's... Uh, the, they actually, it's kind of a fun thing. You know pool noodles? Yeah. It's like the same thing. It's the uh, inside of the pool noodle. Seriously? Yeah. Because there's another <laughs> company that's doing something with beeswax, right? Oh. It's still a, but maybe that's actually a cork. They're using cork pieces and binding oh, it with Oh, yeah, beeswax. instead of a, like polymer glue. Yeah, like so this is, this is that's really interesting. I yeah, think. I love it. They breathe like a, a natural cork. Um, and they have different levels of, of age, you know, so they have the corks that are good for like one to three years and the corks that are good for three to five and then five to ten. I'm getting the, it's not the highest of high, but the next one down. So I think they're like 10 to 15-year corks. And what's pricing like com comparative to regular cork? They're 17 cents a cork, so cheaper. Whoa. Okay. A lot cheaper. Nice. <laughs> Sam's melting onto the table. <laughs> Coronary I know, time. so I mean, what's the... What's the drawback to them? If anything, I guess would be if if you're buying the ones that are for five to ten and people end up holding on to the wine yeah. for, yeah, for 12 I, years. I mean, the the not knowing also. Right. You know, we don't know what happens to these corks after at 10 and 15. Right. Because nobody's they haven't they haven't gotten there that far. I mean, yeah. for me, that 
I mean, um, they're TC, there's no TCA, no right? TCA. There's TCA free. Um, you know, th- the other thing is there's still, um, and you know, it's changing and, you know, th- products like this and, and, you know, supplier, you know, producers using them are slowly changing this, but there's still, you know, sort of the natural cork is one of the last bastions of mm-hmm. the collectible wine um, you know, the fine wine kind of trappings. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you, people who you, know, you spend... Tradition. Th- tradition. Well, yeah. if you're spending $80 on a bottle of wine, I would ex- kind of expect it to still have so a have natural, natural cork. Right. Um, but I knew that my price point was, you know, if I wanted to keep the price point low, finding packaging and materials that was both good. I mean, it has to be good, first and foremost. Like, I'm not going to sacrifice the quality of the wine because I want a cheaper cork. But I actually, the first year, I used a composite cork, which was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, but the, the year after, I started noticing a lot of my peers. This is cheaper than a composite, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Or, like, really comparable. Um, hmm. You know, Davis Family Vineyards uses them. Rhyme Cellars uses them. Pax Wine Cellars uses them. Jolie Laid uses them. So all these people that I had known kind of growing up and through the going through the industry, once I saw all these people I was like oh these are all like voices and names and and faces that I trust and so they had done the research and then I followed up into my own research wait until they make a hemp cork oh that would be cool (laughs) I mean it's probably out there wheels are spinning you know some state would say you can't (laughs) ship it in because (laughs) ABC won't approve but it's yeah yeah, exactly it's, it's rope you know I mean it's they make shirts they make Hemp concrete bricks. I mean, it, for you know, housing now. What is there? There's a wine that's. You said weed farm. They, there's. If you landed on the wrong desk at TTB, they might not let you put weed unless you could prove that there's a place called Weed, weed farm, farm. They might not let you put that on a label if it was on the wrong. <laughs> yeah, the that's wrong true. Desk I was and, when I submitted the cola the first year for that. I was like, oh, this. I'm, yeah. They might come back at me for it, but they didn't. I was really surprised. It was a good day in DC. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, but it's really that, John. It's really that like random. Sometimes with the you know, the person who looks at your labels, the thing that I always go to is for five years, our labels had no, they would send them through, and then one year it landed on somebody's desk who said that that our bold for government warning wasn't bold enough compared to the type font for the rest of the label. I mean, but nobody cared. It, it was bold for five years. For five years, nobody cared. Five years, right. nobody cared. Wild. Yeah. Government well. by idiocy. <laughs> Well, Jennifer, good for you for, um, you know, paying attention to your uh, packaging because, uh, you know, large wineries, they're constantly um, looking for ways to save on their, you know, make profits go the right way. And packaging is where they look first. So do you see any international wines in screw top or composite cork? I mean, all of Australia is screw top. (laughs) Okay. Pretty much. I think I was thinking France, but yeah. Uh, there's a lot of composite cork out of uh, in France on like Cote Cote Rhone um, level wines and stuff. I think Italy is going to be one of the last ones to fall. Something about Italian corks and just opening wine since I was 16 years old. The tightest corks you will ever pull are usually out of Italian bottles. I don't know why. There's one vineyard in Suave that's trying to get convince them to go all screw cap because Suave's drinkable right away to be right away so yeah. but because they had so much bad press back in the 70s or whatever as a consortium they won't go yes. over even though it makes sense wow so they're kind of fighting the battle there right now 
And how did you really, what was the thought process behind your pricing? Because it is approachable and, it, and it's for everyday drinking, which I completely appreciate. Um, but being a local winemaker here, that's not always completely doable, maybe with what you want to do. So was it a, hey, I want my friends to be able to buy my wines? Is it that I want to, I don't want to sit on wine for two or three years in, in, in my um, inventory? Or what exactly was the thought process behind the pricing on the wines? I think first and foremost, it was just affordability and accessibility. Um, I think that wine in I guess old world, so like European, especially like France and Italy, you know, part of the, it's your grocery item and it's on almost every dinner table, if not lunch table as well. And it's just a part of what you do. And in California or the United States, we've sort of moved away from that in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's a special occasion thing or it's a upper middle class, high class society sort of thing. And or it's people like us who just are around and have access to friends. Right, yeah. Wine I mean, we're, you know, here in Sonoma County, our, our accessibility and our knowledge, I think is going to be different no matter what, just because we're surrounded by it. Yeah. But um, I, I just kind of think that it, it goes with your meal, just like the potatoes to your steak should, you know, it's just kind of a part of the table setting. And so having it be at, the price point and that yeah, yeah, dad's pointing out the alcohol level where it's a little low, all a little lower in alcohol, you know, so you can drink a glass of it over with two people and not have that kind of a headache in the right. next morning. Um, yeah. But along with that, I mean, with that decision, that means you're going to have to make that you are making several small decisions along the way. As, mm-hmm. And you're talking about packaging, you're talking about vineyard sourcing, you're talking about ageability, um, all those different things sort of have to fall in line for you to put a product out at that price mm-hmm. now do you have any maybe desire to put out like a super high-end russian river pinot one year <laughs> that you would get access to the fruit or yeah. do you want to keep it in maybe creating two tiers of the winery yeah so we actually have kind of my second tier um i'll try that and two going in level. So we have the weed farm Syrah and then the gross vineyard Syrah. And um, the gross vineyard, the label, the packaging is reverse. It's kind of what my, it's like my black label. Um, and that's kind of at a slice, slightly higher price point. So that one, um, I sell it for $35. So it just kind of pushes it just off the by the glass programming, um, which is, it's good. Uh, you know, it's, it's still not one that you need to sit on for five years to drink, but it's definitely different. And so in 2018, I had the Gris Vineyard and then I also added a, a Grenache Vineyard from um, Placerville, Narrowgate Vineyards, um, which is biodynamically grown. And it definitely, wow. it's a whole nother thing. And so I, it will also be part of the, the next label. Still not going to make, or still not there making you know, any Russian or Pinot, but I'm starting to now, everything so far has been neutral oak in the program. So I'm now starting to look at maybe integrating some new oak barrels of my own to Mm -hmm. then move to neutral, but keeping those around or starting those and having kind of that next level with those, but sort of, yeah, tiering it, if you will. Right. And kegging at all? Have you had anyone approach you about kegging? Yes. Okay. I would love to figure out how to do it that meaning, I could. Meaning uh, qual- ju- quantity? Yeah. I mean, right now, none of the, the lots are really high high volume. Um, so it would be like half of the lot if I did right. even just a couple kegs. But, um, but partnering maybe with a restaurant that said, we, we love your Grenache, maybe next year, and, and maybe you sell all of it to them. Yeah. And Brian, Jordan Kiebelstad. And are you t- as, that's what I was going to ask. Are you yeah, talking I'm wondering about if free flow, yeah. uh, free if you yeah, talk to them about pricing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I it, it's funny. I've 
haven't talked to Killstat, and I don't know how that program works with them. Um, but I know that I have inquired at a few other like wine bars that have a um, that that have a tap system, oh, yeah. and a couple of them said, "Well, for right now, we're only buying like Young Market put it in for us, so we're uh, yeah. sourcing the theirs. Sort of the taps owned. are kind of owned." Um, and so that's one um, possible thing. See, but this seems like the perfect kind of wine that you would want on tap. Definitely. These are su yeah, super absolutely. by the glass um, wines that would seem to fit perfectly into that into that arena. Yeah, yeah. Huh. No, it's it's on. I don't know if it's gonna be for any of the 2018 wines in keg, but definitely as I look forward into. 2019 harvest and especially there's gonna be plenty of 2018 wines <gasps> in keg so much around the world. <laughs> so <laughs> much that, um <laughs> probably don't need to like cut your production in half to what happens to yeah what happens when this year is better than last year oh god what yeah i mean you're starting off perfect we're in march it's and it's, it's not even march literally and it's like summer outside today yeah, yeah well but it's still cold uh, and it's way too early to say anything's perfect. Uh, we've, we are, you know, we've had enough rain, um, yeah, to get be, off to right. Um, that said, you know, we're, we're at an average, so we could probably use some more. Um, just and, wait and a, if it could wait a couple weeks, that'd be cool. Yeah, and um, it's been cold, yeah. so we got good dormancy theoretically this yeah. year. So right? First time really in a, in a while. Yeah. Right. yeah, I know this time last year there were some like hot, like warm vineyards that were starting to show bud break, and I'm like just so so right. grateful that we might be pushing this off a little bit more. Right, well, you can I mean, enjoy a little bit more of your summer. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Morgan Peterson can can get into Tahoe a little bit more. There you go. Well, the snow keeps going the way it's going. There's going to be skiing until yeah. July. The 1st. snow there's not going to be any beaches to go hang out in Tahoe right. anyway this summer. <laughs> It'll just be road and then lake. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just poured the Weed Farm Syrah. We were talking about weed. So Sally Weed is her last name. And this is kind of like my ode to old world. Um, it's like a l just like ever so slightly reduced, which I really like. Um, but I, I call this vineyard kind of beyond organic. Uh, she has coho salmon in the creek that run along the property. Um, that there go you go. Yeah. They, they go true up and conservationist. <laughs> truly, she's done some amazing work and has worked with a lot of... Um, different companies to create like ponds and, and breeding spaces for these coho salmon, which is really cool. So because of that, the vineyard gets pruned and it gets mowed and that's it. There's no spraying of any sort um, on the ground or on the vine. This is beautiful wine. Thanks. Uh, yeah, where, is, where is the vineyard? It's Dry Creek Valley um, off West Dry Creek Road. Um, and so because of the, the lack of protection of lack of spray I guess um, I pick it always around 21 and a half bricks so kind of right at that point where it's ripe but it's not gonna be uh, attacked by I mean this wine know. is you know you hear that term tension this wine has really really nice tension I guess <laughs> that, I mean I, I never really quite understand what that means but I, I think this is a well, what what does it mean? Well, <laughs> to everybody. You brought it up now. What you gotta is, explain what is tension? I mean, I assume. I mean, to me, the tension is it's it stands up very tall. It it has good posture, unlike me right now. Um, it yeah, stands up very tall in your mouth. It has um, a beginning and a uh, that starts out and and makes an impact. So and and it there and it go. feels like that that's gonna last for a while. So yeah. I guess that's what I mean by tension. Tension like in yeah. a in a. T tension is it it um 
you're having textural experiences in the front, middle, and finish of the palette all at the same time. There you go. That it ha- that it that it it's holding on um, and not falling away in any of the places. You know, you look for wine that has presence in all of those places. Um, tension are the you know ones where sort of the rare ones that you get experience in all of those places at the same time. Well, a lot of times with Syrah, you're tasting fruit and oak. Mm-hmm. But this, you're actually getting the acidity and you're getting a lot of herbs. I mean, like spearmint or menthol totally. flavors There's going on in there. I mean... So the Mentiness. complexity to it, that's what I like. Uh, that's what I like in detention is where there's a lot of things going on where it's not just one thing that you can point to, that there's all these other little things that are kind of going on with the wine. Yeah, I um, because I pick it on the kind of phenolically ripe si- or, or early side, uh, I 100% destem it, and then I bring home a lot of those stems, and I dry them out, and I put them back in halfway uh, through. Where did you learn this? <laughs> where did you learn this trick? <laughs> There are secrets amongst the the vines, Um, but and it you know every year it kind of changes how much I'm able to keep back. And I always like I I smell each little bit of of uh, stems before I throw it back into the tank um, to make sure that it's good. But it it, that's where a lot of that like herbalness is coming from. Well, you mentioned earlier you don't want to beat up the seeds. Yeah, you know, and that and they do have an interesting. It does change the flavor, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And if I had done if i had did whole cluster with this from the beginning it would be so green and that's all you would taste but this why at least it allows that kind of really pretty blackberry violet note to come through but then follows it up with that tension and you know the eucalyptus and the dried rosemary and the dried thyme and then like kind of finishes with this like black olive meatiness um my intern so at punch down shellers they they assign interns based on like tonnage so i share an intern with like six different producers who are all really small whereas some interns only work with one because they're a, a lot bigger volume um but she was from italy and it was her first harvest this year and she's pumping over the 2018 uh weed farm syrah and she was like how's it smell and she, we we're talking about it and she goes it smells interesting i'm like my heart just drops I'm like interesting <laughs> what does that mean and she goes it smells like black olives i'm like ah oh, yeah. we've done it <laughs> and that was such a fun thing to kind of like have her not be that familiar with Sorrel coming from italy and not having worked with in wine before in a production standpoint and so it was it was a cool kind of discovery moment awesome. <laughs> I, I love the little like Syrah and also ripe stem theme that's emerged in the last couple of episodes because you know this was uh, you know the wine that ian brought um, the one, you know, the Psalm love, you know, that San Joseph Northern Rhone Cornas where you get these, um, you know, those all of those tapenade kind of uh, aromas. Um, and the conversation we had last last week with uh, Anne Charlotte of Chateau Fontaloupe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, you know, one of the things that she looks for is when she picks. And this is something you can do when you're in, in the, the north facing you know part of Chateauneuf is you can wait until not that the grapes are ripe but the stems are ripe and that ripe stems in California you know grapes are ripe and stems aren't very very often and you know if you want to do stem you got to go the extra mile is that why you dry them yeah I did not I I knew that they were going to be there's there's no way there's there's no no way way. I mean the inclusion I maybe could get away with like 10% 100% whole cluster but at that point it's kind of like, what's the point? I mean, it, there is, it definitely would make a difference, but I really like the, the dried quality and the, the ferment will smell great, great, great. It'll be like all 
pretty floral and um, fruits, and then I add the stems, and it's like this bacon, like the next day. Yeah. And so it's really cool, like that transition from being just like primary fruit to having this like secondary level. And so how far? Well, first of all, how how long is the fermentation process usually for you? Normally around ten days to two weeks. Okay. And so at what point, how many days in do you put in the stems? I shoot for between 9 and 11 bricks. Okay. So it just kind of depends on. How long does it take to dry the stems? That, just that, that first that, week. Just that. Re- yeah, and it's quickly. amazing. Like, So I, I put them in like a, a KMBS, a sulfur bath, and I, I don't rinse them after that. I just dump them in, in there, and then I just throw them out in the sun. Um, actually, I do it at Dad's house <laughs> on, on like d- – like, uh, do outdoor shelving units that he has that are d- haven't oh, I was been wondering used. if maybe you had a hot tub out there. I, no, heard, yeah. I heard that's the, a good the, place the, the to Mark dry uh, on top Harold, of the hot tub. The Mark Harold uh, strategy. But that's even, when you're, we have, you're doing that when you're hiding it from the person who owns the yeah, winery yeah, you're right? working at, which is what he was doing. So <laughs> I, I throw them there. So even if he ever sold his house, I think I'd still have to like work with the people who bought it to be like, okay, I have to dry my stems here because there's some like, the perfect climate like bio yeah, happening that, that that's part of this line now. I was, I, as, she, as Jennifer was talking about uh, drying stems, before she said where, I was like, no, I, maybe I should try drying some Dos Limones stems. I'll take them to my parents' house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what parents are good that's for. What par- <laughs> unfortunately, for other reasons, the drying, the like, Prime drying areas are taken during Syrah <laughs> harvest at my dad's house, so <laughs> that's oh, we gotta find somewhere else. <laughs> we gotta hot something <laughs> might end up getting thrown into the water. Uh, it's getting it's, supposed it's, to be. it's drying time, yeah. Brian. It's drying time. Yeah, <laughs> cross pollination, though. Yeah. Cross pollination. A whole nother level to weed. Right, we, yeah, exactly. This one's not gonna get approved by the TTV. <laughs> it's interesting when I was uh, doing some backgrounding on raft wines and mm-hmm. you know, there were a couple of articles that uh, were coordinated with wow yep. uh, women-owned wineries and amy best cook turned us on to that oh i mean well it is amy she is the she, she is wow, wow. Yeah, she is yeah. wow <laughs> and uh, but it's it's going very well it is. i'm amazed at the covering coverage she's getting from imbibe and a lot of other places it's really a very positive step I'm still surprised in this day and age that people want to know who the hell makes your wine? Where's your boyfriend? Where's your husband? Who bought the farm? Who did this? It's like, no, no, no. It's, that's, that's very 1950s. You know, yeah. it's not that time anymore, is it? No, it's, it's funny because um, my, my fiance works uh, in wine as well. We met working together and we were interns together. And so people kind of know he's in, in wine or even if they don't you know there's been more than one occasion where we're out to dinner and the psalm will come out or at a dinner that sells the duck and they know that I'm duck but then they'll be like oh I hear you have wine we can't wait to try it and they look directly at him and not at me which isn't untrue but their assume or their their association is still with raft and that unconscious bias yes it just totally happens. it just happens and I don't it it's not a fault of I think most people aren't doing it or saying it maliciously at all it's just sort of like changing that narrative that you can be a plumber boy or girl you can be a doctor boy or girl you know what I mean like any industry any position doesn't there isn't male roles and women roles there's just roles yeah that's perfect that's the way it should be yeah I mean and you never see like uh, the the best male winemakers of 2018, <laughs> yeah. like that that headline well, you, doesn't you exist. Do. It's just usually just the list, right? It's right, just it's the, the list, list. yeah. <laughs> and 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 there is, you know, the, 
there, I think in California, the, the statistic is it's only 10% of lead winemakers or owners are, are women. And so, you know, we have a ways to go where we shouldn't be f- maybe 50% of the list because we're not 50% of the winemakers yet, but we need to be 50% of the winemakers. Oh, absolutely. That'll, and then we can be 50%. It'll be that well, in 2050. And, and there's no doubt that, you know, it, it, w- when I started way back when in 1986, there were very few women. How many in the women? How many women worked on the crush pad at Kenwood in 1986? Yeah. Well, at Kenwood, there was there were no women that worked in production at all. Right. right. And then when I went to Benziger in uh, 98 to 2007, um, we when I started, there were two women working in production. And by the time I left, there were five or six. So, you know, and, and now there's even more up there. And, and let's face it, there's a lot more women in the cellar. There's a lot more women um, in, in all facets of the business. Davis now, I think yeah. the graduates are at yeah. 60% women. So it'll just take It just time takes time, you know. To, to work its way through. But I'm so happy for people like Amy Best-Cook, who's started Wow Sonoma, or, or uh, Stevie of Bay Grape, who started Batonage Forum, um, both, you know, very powerhouse women in the wine industry in their own right, but have have just kind of shared that conversation with their platforms and on a greater greater kind of visibility level, which I think that's that's the most important part is just just talking about it and yep, supporting it. it and just kind of having I, what I want, though. This is to all of you boys sitting around the table. I'm well, the only lady here. Well, Sandra's across the room, but <laughs> but you know, to, we have these like you know, women forums. Like Batonage is coming up May fourth, and last year it was great, but there was like five percent men, and that should be fifty percent wine. Even though it's a woman and wine conference, to have that, we we know what we need to change, but to like. You know what? Thank you for saying that, though, because yeah. I think sometimes we're not sure if we're welcome. Absolutely. All the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. We're thinking it's this really is a celebration of women and yeah. you kind of want to be am- or amongst there, yourselves. Yeah. Or, or how is it that we would contribute? I mean, I, and that's kind of a redundant question. No, but no, no. You, you know, d- that's kind of the feeling maybe from. Yeah, so I think like this last year, uh, especially the the Batonage Forum, it was their first year, and it was like this is so exciting. We're all really amped and we're ready to 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 change this conversation. But we were having even conversations that day about you know workplace and I, unconscious bias has been a thing that comes up, and like how do we sort of like change those stigmas and change kind of the the conversation i mean i've had more than one like job interview for a wine job where the male winemakers looked at me and said you know this is hard right and i'm like why yeah i do but just because i'm five floor and i'm not a very like big person like i still understand like and if i need help lifting someone something i'll ask but that doesn't mean like i can't do 80 or 95 percent of these other things all on my own without you telling me that it's hard work. <laughs> well, winemaking is hard work, but um, I imagine that you, duck farming is pretty hard work too. And it's not like you know you're, you're uh, didn't know hard work before. True. You know you got to UC Santa Barbara. I yeah. mean, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and like, I, but I think uh, it's just it's a dialogue. You know, like I think we've gotten to the point, and Amy, people like Amy and Wow have have created this like group and all of us now feel supported and now it's like okay that the conversation needs to be two ways and we don't need a women should not just talk amongst themselves in circles trying to create change in the industry you need to be talking to the entire industry whether you're gay straight male female it doesn't matter you just need everybody needs to be a part of the that's exactly what you're doing today yeah (laughs) bingo everybody wins everybody everybody wins wins. (laughs) um and, and frankly 
you know, you need a diverse group of people to taste and help you make your wine Mm -hmm. because everybody has different, and and, you know, obviously you're not going to make wine for every single palate, but, um, you know, the people who walk through the door to buy your wine or, you know, find you on the internet and join your list, um, are going to come from a diverse range of the world. Um, and if you haven't figured out how every That's piece right. of yeah. your brand, not just how it looks, but how it tastes and how it's done, um, and try to appeal to as broad of that spectrum as, as possible, I mean, then, you know, I don't know. You're going to, you're, you're, cut, you're cutting your, you know, you're cutting your, your customer from the base start. in half. From, yeah. start. from the start. Yeah. Right. Um, what percent of wine is purchased by women? Do we know? I think it's like 60% yeah. or 70%. It's over it's 50. Over now, 50 yeah. Um, you know, when Joan, my wife, started in diversity and inclusion you know, like 20 years ago, the big thing was like diapers, okay? 95% of the diapers are bought by women and all of the sales reps and all of the people in marketing and sales for Procter & Gamble, mm-hmm. Johnson Johnson, whoever, they were all men. Right. Now it's totally different. There's a good argument there. I mean, you really should be right in touch with your who you're going to target right up front, man. If you're just, cutting it off, you just, just good stupid. Business, right? yeah. yeah. So yeah. congratulations. I mean, you're, you've you've moved the dial yourself, Thank and you. that's perfect. It's just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, so back to um, the wine, which is, um, I mean, I think the direction all of this goes to is that the. The goal in the world really should be that when we talk about wine, it doesn't matter. You want to know who makes it mm-hmm. and that you eventually um, find a diverse group of people to buy it from. So you get to have all these different you know, experiences. Right. Um, but so let's talk about the wine. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was like, where was I going with that? Oh, let's talk about Syrah. the freaking wine. Um, More Syrah. Tasting your, the, the weed farm Syrah and the, hearing about the stems. And I was like, oh. She makes vinya. I wonder if she's going to put it in the Syrah. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you tell us about the Syrah you just poured for us? Well, yeah, so actually in the weed farms, there's about 5% vinya there in, there. in there. Too. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I freeze the vinya because it comes in earlier. And then I also, yeah. <laughs> Getting uh, a knowing look from yeah. Sam. Yep. <laughs> and then um, I top with vinya. Um, so just kind of like subtly uh, dosing it throughout the life of the wine. Um, so that means, you know, I'm bottling my... my Viognier, Viognier, a lot earlier, so I always keep back like a keg or so, just to kind of like keep topping with. Um, Logistics. Yeah, I know, and, and kegs are just kind of the worst, but like such a necessary evil. Um, but the Gris Vineyard Syrah, so this is my black label, if you will, and I, I hate, I don't want to call it reserve, but it just like is that second tier price point where, um, yeah, it's it maybe a little bit like you want to save it for a Friday or Saturday night or a special dinner, but you don't have to because it's still only $35. Um, but it's from the Gris Vineyard up uh, also in Dry Creek, and I call the Weed Farms as kind of my ode to old world. So I do the stem inclusion and the Viognier, and then this one is just pure Syrah, and it's my love letter to California. I think there's like no denying that there's like a lot of California so there's, sunshine. There's not Viognier in here. No. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Over to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your Psalm training would come in handy if you did. 
<laughs> yeah, Todd, was, training, Todd, Todd I, was two for two. I, all my SOM training faults I blame on Phil and Katuri and Robert Kamen. <laughs> they were I just drinking their wine. That's right. all I know about wine. <laughs> uh, so the, the Gris Vineyard is on the top of Bradford Mountain, um, a dry creek, so it's about 800 feet elevation where this block is. And it's known more for its Zinfandel up there, so those are a lot of kind of famed zin that comes out of the property. But the, the soil itself just like, I don't know, there's a lot of terroir in this wine because it finished at 14% alcohol with like a Chardonnay pH. It finished at a 3-4 pH. So it's just got this like crazy thing. Like I couldn't have picked this wine at 21 bricks. I would have killed your animal. It would, it would yeah, tear your mouth apart. Yeah. What, what's the soil like there? It's this crazy, um, it's called Boomer Loam. It's this like red, lo- like loamy soil. Like I hate sampling up there because my car just comes back like coated in this fine red soil. And they're, they like to say they're accidentally organic in like the early 2000s I think someone forgot to order something and they're like eh let's just go the season without it and they've been organic ever since <laughs> <laughs> um, but this this particular um, part of the vineyard it's a western facing terrace slope um, and in between in the the grapes and the ocean is just 25 miles of straight forest as the crow flies. So it's kind of at the end of the world on the top of the mountain up there, which is pretty cool. And it's, yeah, it's definitely like there's, it's a little bit more like lush and full than my other wines. I think it's definitely still me and my style of winemaking, but I like this kind of, um, as a transition wine, uh, it's here in Sonoma at Sonoma's Best and then Cadet in Napa has it. And if you have people who are tasting in downtown Sonoma or or all around Napa County, and then they go out to dinner that night and they're looking for something a little different, but you don't want to like totally shock them with something totally off is like a great kind of like transition wine in between like California, California, and this like new age California that probably the rest of my yeah. wines are. I mean, this is definitely more in your face than your other Syrah, much more brooding, yeah. intense. Uh, it's luscious. Yeah. It's like this like yeah. velvet lusciousness that's like, I never thought I'd make a wine that <clears throat> I would use those words, but it, I mean, it just like fills your mouth kind of fully. That's her psalm training is that she wouldn't want to make <laughs> <laughs> I like this. This is beautiful. Thank you. Just, just I mean, back, this is this is sun on my uh, you know on, on my back. Yeah. And it's like oh, <laughs> what a nice day for a Syrah. Yeah, this is like a good yeah. like people were having this uh, a Christmas with like their prime ribs and you know like a really kind of big meaty thing. Whereas like the weed for farms is good with like gamey meats like lamb and duck. This is kind of like your steak burger sort of Syrah. So. Well, so, uh, I was just going to ask real quick. Uh, can you give us a little rundown about how many cases each of these lots are? Um, yes, and it's ever changing because I've just to, you know because you always find some shit that you forgot yes. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, I've grown every year since. So I started the brand in 2016, and each year I've like doubled the amount of case production that I've been doing. So my goal for 2019 is to not double again. <laughs> that would be lovely. But you have some things where you do. I mean, I've seen 26 cases uh-huh. where you're just doing a barrel. Uh-huh. None of these wines. Okay. But the weed farm surround 2017, it, it, where it is in the valley, got hit with a late frost. Um, and it. I only made a, a punch in of that, basically. I mean, I had a little bit of like topping wine. Um, uh, the Gris Vineyard um, was two barrels in 17. I have four barrels for 18. So generally speaking, all fairly small lots. What about the rosé? 
um, uh, only about a hundred cases. Yeah. See, you're, it's funny. You're you're saying like it's still a small amount. Yeah. You know? Even even right. your even even doubling is a yeah. small amount. Right. And, yeah. And that's what people love to hear. You know. Yeah. I mean, um, it's daunting for for you because you have to go out and sell it all. Yeah. Um, and uh, that Sam first and I time understand you look at like a thousand me. cases on a pallet and you know pallets and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. You know when it, when it was like two pallets of each thing and you're like, I got this. Yeah. And it's three wines. You're like, got it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can do it. And that's my problem. I make a little bit of a lot of different things. So it's fun because I I do tend to have something for everybody. Because yeah. um, like Sam was saying, like you're not gonna make. Not everyone is going to love every single one of your wines. And that's fine because they shouldn't. You know, people have different tastes. Some people like apples. Some people like oranges. You know what I mean? Um, Some people like to put it together with some red wine and call it sangria. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which, hey, on this hot summer's day, I'm all for. Um, But, yeah, just kind of having a little bit, a lot of things and and doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who's who's doing distribution for you? Me. You're everything. Everything. Top to bottom. So you're... I have one state that I sell to, which is North Carolina. And, they, and how did that come about? Uh, they... the It's seller distribution. And he was out here visiting some of his other producers and was looking for someone else and came to right. visit me and liked the wines. And that's how... And it's fun because North Carolina, you know, the, the Triangle and um, Asheville, like there's a lot of these like food yeah. meccas popping up. Um and the wine just hasn't caught up. So. We actually have a fair number of North Carolina listeners. Woo, woo, I'll be uh, there in May. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, and Talk shout up. Out. Yeah. Uh, well, we had I had somebody in the tasting room a couple weeks ago, dropped off a couple bottles of North Carolina, the wine that she wants us to open. Oh, cool. And then somebody, and I haven't responded to this email, uh, just the other day, like over the weekend, emailed me saying he was listening to whenever I said that last on the pot and then he and he's like well i want to know which labels they are because i can tell you if it's any good so i got to get back to him too but apparently people in north carolina are listening so you yeah. can find raft wines in, like in restaurants or stores uh, or a little bit, a little bit of both on my website raftwines.com there's a, a locations tab and so all the, the places that i've in and you know i've only sold uh, just about a pallet of wine there over the last year. So it's not very much, but for me, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, it's a lot for me. Um, 10%, it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of fun to get started. And then I'm going out for my first like market visit the first week of May. So I'm excited. We're kind of scheduling a few things. And so there'll be, uh, there'll be more coming out as we get closer to so the time. So people who are in North Carolina, listen, how do they find out about these Sign things? Sign up for my mailing list, okay. <laughs> which I know yeah. is like terrible. Or follow me on Instagram. I'm really good about posting all the events and I will definitely be posting that. And that's Duck Daughter JJ. And people ask me, they're like, what's the date JJ? Jennifer Julie, my first and middle name. But there's another Duck Daughter on Instagram who like doesn't post and doesn't use it, but I can't get it is it like oh. is it like the duck dynasty is it like somebody no i have no idea okay. who it is i think it's a private account i haven't checked in a while i should check to see if it's even there but i've had duck daughter jj as my instagram handle since 2011 so it is like well, let's put it out there duck thing. daughter whoever you whoever are you yeah. know who this person <laughs> is give it give up. up give it up let me have it you're so not posting anything maybe there's a case yeah. or two of rosé in it or four. Oh. there you go yeah yeah, yeah. so 
some, little some dangle the carrot. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, locally for, for um, you know. local listeners who are yeah. here in the area, how can they get a hold of your wines besides going on the website and having it uh, delivered directly to their home? They can go to Bottle Barn. They always have a few. Oh, you there. know what? I saw you there yep. a month and a half ago. Yeah, I, right, like right before, before Christmas, Christmas, I did a that, tasting there. Yeah. It was super fun. You, so, no, and actually I was getting in and out and I felt bad because I didn't go up to her. She was she was doing a tasting there. I think on a Friday and a Saturday, I was there like on a Saturday. My daughter is on the swim team up in Santa Rosa, oh, yeah. so I so I usually pop in when I drop her off. It's, and I saw that you were doing the tasting. Hours. Oh, I do get lost in there for hours. <laughs> right, that's why Brian is on a very strict time limit when he goes to Bottle oh, and Otherwise, I carry a he'd specific still be amount there. of money. Well, <laughs> well, that's what when we go in, I don't. I, I never get a cart. I try not to even grab a basket because right, if right. I can only carry what yep. I can buy, then I tend to do okay. It's once really I, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's a hundred dollars if you carry it. It's three hundred dollars if it's a basket. It's five hundred dollars if it's a cart. Yeah, totally. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Bottle Barn um, has it, and then f- other than that, it's mostly uh, retail or restaurants around the okay. area. And because most of the the wines are by the glass, they're on for a month and then they go off because they're they're putting something new on, which is really exciting. Right. It's a great thing for people. Um, down in the city um, at Byright Markets um, and then in the East Bay, Oakland Yard and the Bay Grape as far as... Um, and you mentioned Sonoma's spots. Best. Sonoma's Best. They did, they had the Viognier in their wine club. Ted Jolly. Todd Jolly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Two for two Todd. Yeah. Two for two Todd. Um, he was really... It was fun to come at, or go over and pour the wines for him. It, it, so I didn't bring the Viognier because I'm sold out of it. I sold out of the rosé too, but it was just kind of fun to bring it. But Fuck. Uh, um, I know next time. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I wanted some rosé. Uh, oh, we we can talk. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I it was fun. Covered. It's, it's, there's, there's always another bottle somewhere. There's always some. Um, for you, there's some. <laughs> But the Viognier, it's been really fun. You know, I make it in the style of a little, like, lighter. Um, it's not syrupy. It's not high in alcohol. And so it's really fun to bring it into Psalms and buyers. And, like, they try it. And they're like, this is a Viognier that I want to drink. And I'm yeah. like, yes. Because a lot of them tend to be high in alcohol, high in residual sugar, high in new oak, which I'm not sure where that trend came Why from. Would you ever do that to It's Viognier? so weird. <laughs> it's so Weird. Yeah. Me banging my head against the microphone. Why yeah. would you ever put Viognier in new? Uh, yeah. But it happens all the time, and so it's really fun to kind of. Just trying to make Chardonnay. If you want to make Chardonnay, make Chardonnay. Make Chardonnay. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun to kind of have this. I became like an accidental Viognier crusader. Um, we it's love fun. all of those accidents. The that accidental you yeah. upon, by the way. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's got a good ring to it. Accidental <laughs> Viennier Crusaders. I think it needs to be like the my ABCs, bumper sticker or something. The, yeah. <laughs> the ABCs. Right. It's like it's like, equal, it's like the clampers, right? You ABCs are just little, little like round bumpers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Your new uh, trade organization. I, there's probably clampers in Petaluma, right? Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure there is. <laughs> well, I tell you, what a nice selection yeah. you brought today. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, really nicely done. And I'm really happy about that. It's a, And I'm... Very pleased to see you doing so well. Thanks. And that's and, a and great thing. And, you know, did we actually recorded with you two times, right? Or did we only got her Just the one time? In at Grenache Day. Grenache Day. Yeah. The, but it was the a little lost, chaotic. The lost Grenache. Yeah. Files. Brian yeah. was the only one that, that heard those. A, and he thought it. <laughs> the lost Grenache files. Right. <laughs> I think we've all been in the we lost Grenache <laughs> files once I or don't twice. I don't even know no. that we have a beat on where those actually reside, do we? Um, in I, the ether. Somewhere yeah, they got I, I have recycled a, with some bottles of Grenache somewhere, yeah, I think. I have or, a copy of it. 
for for our basement tapes. The basement tapes, <laughs> right? That you like find on vinyl in the basement in the in the. If we ever go down, like like we're on a trip to France and maybe like the Big Bopper, if we all go down in a in an airplane crash, someone can find that Grenache Day audio file and release it to the world. But that's the only way it's making. <laughs> <Right. laughs> when we're all gone, we can't be that embarrassed. Right. Fair enough. Right. Well, hey everybody. Well, can One I have the shout outs? Yes. Yeah, uh, shout out uh, before we go to the. Sh- uh, um, these wines would be worth it at whatever price they are. Um, Thank so you. go out and get some wrapped wines before Jennifer figures it out and charges more for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, you know, the, Sam, that, you're I mean, making sense. No, I, I mean, $35 for that Syrah um, makes me, f- you know, it's like, it's criminal. It's, there's it's there's such great values. There's such a great uh, the the work that you're putting into it and finding the vineyards and the wines you're making. Um, you're you know delivering the goods and probably probably scaring people. You can make wine this good at this price. Yeah, <laughs> somebody maybe at the end of this table. Well, yeah. I've said that to you guys. I mean, I love both of you guys. I love your wines. Um, but for everyday drinkers, sometimes it's tough to to pay thirty, thirty five, or forty bucks for a bottle of wine. And so a lot of people end up drinking Spanish or Italian or um, just bad bulk wine or bad wine. bulk wine. Right. So, so it's, I appreciate what you're doing. And, and especially when I get it at bottle barn, um, which yeah. I have done in the past. Yeah. That's really, you should be shaking in their boots. Everybody else who's making wine at these price points going, I, I mean, if Jennifer can pull it off, what are we doing? Yeah. And it, you know, it starts with being smart with your packaging and nomacorks and you know, Everybody right. didn't know McCork who was making the wine, you know, especially like rosé and white wines that I mean, I'm I've, because of this. I'm thinking about rosé, you know, I mean, even rosé that is made to be aged is five years. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the best rosé, Bandol. Um, so well, I, this know, I think in general, people drink rosé way, way too, too early. Young. Yeah. Like people this don't even, people drink it before it's even out of bottle shop. Yeah. This is like a, a year in bottle and it's. I wish I had held like the whole lot back because it's so good, and I think it it's it's better than it was when it started. And right. I wish people held on to it a little bit longer. But yeah. if uh, there's, I think, I mean, if, uh, and I think Bart and I think you'd agree with me on this. If somebody would just pay so I could not sell wine for a year, totally. Every all <laughs> the wines that I'm that we sell would taste better taste better in a year. Like if we could just stop opening bottles for a year. That's called yeah. futures, right? No, I mean, I'm talking about like if you, the, the 2015s that I'm pouring in the tasting room right now, the 2016s I'm about to, uh, you know, you got to send, you got to start selling them because you're out of wine and you right. got to like get the next thing going. But um, it's like they, as they run out is when they're like, oh, wow, this is really like, it happened to me the other day in the tasting room. I opened something that I hadn't tasted in a while and I was one of our new, and I was like, oh man. This is way better than it was when we released it a year right. ago. And I, yeah. You know, sold out of it last summer. Yeah. It's like, God, I wish you know, somebody would just pay us to go, pay me to go um, out there, pay me to go away for a year in my wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pay me to sit on inventory. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of juxtaposition. Pay my accountant to stop on, looking. <laughs> um, totally different from what you're doing and what Amy Best Cook is doing, and how important that is. An old client of mine in their infinite wisdom <clears throat> playboy bringing out a wine smooth transition channel. called <laughs> lot 18 127 on the website oh, for wow. six 
They don't say what it is. This is it's just a licensing deal. So wow. this is this is like bad prisoner. You know, and they get down to the end of it. They never they never say what it tastes like, what it's made from. On the other hand, they do at the very end say the luscious and spicy wine plays pairs well with a grilled steak with ketchup. Well done. Oh, I mean, oh, what? Oh, <laughs> so, I mean, how old, head, yeah. how old is the stupidity behind this brand logo? Yeah. I mean, it was a big thing for a long time. It was had the highest recall of any brand logo in the world right. at one time. I, I will mean, give Playboy credit. Um, my good friend, Patrick Capiolo, he was like their wine guy for a while, and he was doing these really cool educational wine videos. Those and and it was yeah. like actually good information, and they were taking the time, and he is such a great personality and such a good educator. Um, he's so, like cool and hip, and you want to like listen to him and learn from him, and they they were smart to bring him on. So I'll give Playboy some credit because okay. they are they are aware. But that being said, gosh knows where that $127 bottle's coming yeah. from. <laughs> I just thought what we were talking about is so much more intelligent than just taking a label we've been talking about. Yeah. The backstory, how you got here, how Sam's wine is sold, how everybody has some kind of really interesting story. And just to take a logo and slap it on any old bottle of bulk wine, nah, doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't blow my skirt up anymore, I guess. So, <laughs> to be, Thank God. To be really crude. Well, well said, John. Thank you. Uh, quick shout out to um, the Fat Pilgrim. There's oh, one, right. two, three, four, five, six of us. Uh, wait, I'm doing the math wrong. Seven of us? How many of us there's in this room? Three uh, winemakers. Three winemakers, <laughs> two psalms, uh, a restaurant owner, uh-huh. some, uh, and nobody had a corkscrew. So we had to go next door. Uh, they have a bunch of cool stuff in there. They don't have a ton of corkscrews. I would go in there to buy lots of things but a corkscrew. Uh, the one they get us, I'm going to go bring, give back. In a My first minutes. time in the store, as a matter of fact. And uh, the corkscrew uh, is what drew me in. Yeah, see, there you go. Go to the cool stuff out front. Looking for corkscrews and find other cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even know where the corkscrews were. <laughs> and uh, so something cool about this show that we're doing this week is that we are actually... After this show, we are going to sit down with Jennifer and her father, and we are going to talk on the Bike Goes On podcast about ducks. And Part two, because I really wanted to talk more duck. Yeah. We get that. But I guess Stay I got to listen to the Bike You got to listen to the Bike Goes On podcast. You need to be on a road trip so you can just go Right, through. just, yeah, I can listen back, back, back to, to back. back. All right. So stay somewhere. tuned. We end up um, really hungry and wanting some Syrah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Wherever I'm going, there better be duck and Syrah or I'm going to be really pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> duck and Syrah is a good thing, Sam. It really is. So anything else, guys? Uh, oh, and always my friend Wine Zulu, Z-O-O-L-L-O. If you come into the area and you want to do a Psalm Goddard wine tour to go to some of these cool spots who have genuine people working for them and <laughs> genuine Psalms taking you around and hitting some caves and walking through vineyards, all those things that Garrett talked about. And uh, we don't have tinted windows, but we are in, s- in a different car than a Volkswagen van that does have air conditioning, just in case it's hot And it out probably there. doesn't have a manual transmission, right? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's an automatic. You know, everybody can drive it. You're going to get there in one piece, especially when you're going up to BYs or Repre. Um, you definitely... I don't know that his van would even make it up to the top of those hills. We've... we've 
proven that they can make it to the top of Cayman. Nice. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> I mean, no, down, no problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually not the going up. I'm Garrett, sorry. It's the coming down that's a little scarier. Really? <laughs> the guy, yeah, oh, yeah you can breaks. see what Which you is, might you know, go into. true for life in general, Brian. It's, okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And Jennifer Reichardt, thank you for being where, on. Where, where do we find? Oh, and Dan. Dan. Dr. Dr. JJ. That's, that's the whole thing. Else? Let's, okay. let's and review all your social media. Yep. Okay. okay. One yep. more time. For the social media. Everything. Instagram yep. and Twitter are actually both Dr. JJ. And then I have a Facebook page, Raftwines, or just raftwines.com. Um, Perfect. And uh, I, I love talking to people. So if you ever see me out and about, feel free to say hello. She might have wine and duck. I might. You never know what's in my pocket. Stop her every time. <laughs> Such a positive thing. Wine well, probably doesn't have a corkscrew. Yeah, yeah. bring bring the opener. TSA stole my last one. It was a bedrock one too. I'm oh, mad. Really? Those bedrock ones were nice. They're those were so no, nice. Those were nice. And it actually wasn't mine. It was my fiance's, and he was so mad at me oh, that I had so it in my pissed. purse. He's like, "That was mine," and TSA <laughs> took it. You know, he was really upset because I guess TSA took it. Yeah, I, oh, normally no, they don't right, do it, but they it was during the shutdown, which is even more surprising. They were being like diligent. I went home. They like, wanted one. They, yeah, yeah. I need this at home. They took it, and he was so he's like, Morgan gave me gave me that directly. Well, replace it. Yeah. Yeah. You can, so Morgan, if you're listening, any other corkscrew. Every once in a while, TSA uh, they dump the corkscrews that they collect and sell corkscrews by the yes, pound. Yes. And you can you, you can get good. You have to go through a bunch of crap, but you can get yeah. good corkscrews if you buy them by the pound. Corkscrews by the pound. I'm totally serious. Yeah. I'm to- dead serious. No, maybe we can yeah. pool our money and try and get that one back. There you go. Just <laughs> buy hundreds of pounds of corkscrews <laughs> until we find one. I'm yeah. actually. <laughs> All right. That might be kind of a fun thing to do. <laughs> Anybody listeners want to join us on that adventure? Wine Zulu. Oh, yeah. Send money to the winemakers. <laughs> and we got some friends coming out here. First of March, right? Um, yeah. Roger Randall's coming out uh, yeah. for doing a, a little shopping and Sonoma trip. Yep. Then we have the Podfather on the 18th, Monday the 18th. He'll be here. So. Are we going to record with the Podfather? Absolutely. Uh-oh. Are you All kidding right. me? We have to be on our best, worst behavior. Oh, no, no, right. no. The, or worst the, point best is, the point is to just be normal, and that's always fun Our for Our worst him. best behavior. That's the thing. So, All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm John Myers for the winemakers. Bart Hansen, Sam Katuri, Mr. Brian Casey. Not feeling so shabby right now. You look pretty good. You, know, you had a little wine. Yeah, say, <laughs> he came in singing the blues, but he yeah. was, uh, he's yeah. doing good. All right. Jennifer, once again, thank you so much. Thank and, you. hey, everybody, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.